0: Hello, and welcome back to the Speak Up Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Lively, and I can't believe that it is almost November already. I'm excited for you all to hear this week's podcast episode because I am joined by my first National Women's Soccer League athlete and former three-time first-team All-ACC selection for the UNC Tar Heels, Brianna Pinto. Brianna has been competing nationally and internationally since a very young age, winning the 2015 North Carolina Gatorade Player of the Year. We will be talking about her parents, who were also student athletes at UNC, being on different U.S. women's national team rosters, her collegiate career, being picked number three in the NWSL draft, working on broadcasting outside of playing, and more. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with others. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Brianna Pinto. Well, welcome back to the Speak Up Sports podcast. I'm Anna Lively, and this week on the podcast, I am joined with a former collegiate soccer player and now professional soccer player, Brianna Pinto. Brianna, thank you so much for coming on and joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to speak with you today. Well, I'm excited to dive in. So as a kid, what really drew you to wanting to play the sport of soccer? Um.
1: Soccer definitely came from my family, like my passion for it. My older brother uh, started playing it first. I have two brothers, one older, one younger, and I wanted to be just like him. But um, I think the the idea for him came from my dad, who was actually also a student athlete at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. He played for the men's soccer program and my mom played softball there. Um, And uh, we tried all the sports growing up, to be quite clear. Uh, we played tennis, we played um, baseball, we played basketball and cross country, but the one that really stuck was soccer. I loved just everything about it, getting to run around and to control the tempo and trying new tricks with the ball. And it was an added bonus that our dad could help train us.
0: <laughs> no, I love that. Such a fun story of you talking about being a multi-sport athlete, trying them all, but still being intrigued because of your parents both being student athletes and your older you know, brother being a big soccer person. So you were a part of a ton of different women's national teams as a teenager, you know, the U20 team, U17, but you were also the youngest player in the modern area to make a tournament roster for the senior women's national team at only 16, which that is crazy. Congratulations first off, but what was it like for you being in the spotlight at such a young age and sort of having to juggle what that might be like. I think it was tons
1: of fun because I was ultimately playing the game that I loved Um, getting to represent the national team was a dream come true. And I hope to continue doing that for many more years to come at the senior level. But um, I think for me, like I was playing with joy and with freedom because I had nothing to lose, especially when I was playing so many years up. Um, But one of the cool things about it was that I got to travel the world and I got to meet so many influential people. And um, unfortunately, there are so many uh, worldwide stars uh, that are retiring and two of those are are Megan Rapinoe, actually three of them: Megan Rapinoe, um, Julie Ertz, and um, Allie Krieger. And I got to meet all three of them um, with my brief stint with the U.S. Women's National Team with the senior level. And the cool thing about them is they are leaders in every aspect of the of the word. They did their part to um, bring along the next generation. They're so um, they're so good at their positions, and they also um encourage every athlete to chase greatness. So um just being a part of their footsteps was really special, I think, for in my development. And I as I continue to develop, I want to um continue to pave the way for US soccer here um, in America and beyond. Um, but, you know, the World Cup experiences, those are feel like once in a lifetime and you really got to make the most of them. But um I think the best part of it all was just the experiences I had with my best friends traveling the world.
0: Well, that's really cool that you talk about those, you know, three icons that have really changed women's soccer, you know, competing in World Cups and Olympics and more. But, you know, you talked about traveling the world. So I have to ask you, what are some of the favorite places that you've traveled so far when you've been competing in soccer?
1: To soccer, been an, an absolute blessing. Um, one of my favorite places was actually my 16th birthday. I was at camp and uh, we were in Lake Como, Italy. Um, So that was absolutely beautiful. It's on the northern part of uh, Italy. And um, we actually went there to play against Switzerland. Um, But it was super cool um, just because the greenery is absolutely surreal and water is beautiful. And so many people boat there in the summers and a lot of wedding destinations are there. So I would definitely love to go back. Um, another place in the world that I love was Amman Jordan, um, that was for the u 17 Youth World Cup. Um, it was just a beautiful country, the food was incredible, the people were incredibly nice. Um, and while I was there, I actually got to go to Jerusalem and, um, you know, seeing it, um, you know, especially in the midst of all the conflict that's going on there right now, um, I'm really grateful I got to see all the culture and all the religions that are celebrated there. Um, and ultimately, like I feel like I should comment on on it, but I feel like I hope my greatest hope is that everyone um gets to li- live with peace and with freedom. Um, and I just hope that safety um is the most important thing. Um, and that they can find a way to coexist.
0: Yeah, well, that's really cool to hear about those. I mean, those are amazing spots to go. Italy, <laughs> all those different spots, and wow, I bet so many fun memories. But definitely keeping. You know, Jerusalem and all those spots and her prayers at this time. But I bet those were memories that you'll keep for a while, all those fun trips. But you know, you compete a lot as a teenager, but then you decided to come to UNC. I know both your parents competed as student athletes at Carolina. Did you always want to go here?
1: Yes, um, that was one of my first goals in life, uh, to wear Carolina blue, wear the Carolina logo across my chest and play for Ants endurance And um, that was a lifelong dream achieved. Um, so it was an absolute blessing to be there for three years and compete for championships and things like that. Um, I had an incredible time there. I have some of my best friends from the team. And I think it's really shaped the way I see the world and um, just the way I compete in soccer. So um, I'm truly grateful for my experience there.
0: No, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> Definitely a family thing for sure. But during your three years here, you were all ACC first team, all, all your years here, but what was it like for you? You know, you talked about competing for Anson Dorrance, you know, one of the greatest collegiate coaches for women's soccer, you know, you said that was like a goal of yours, but ha- having it become a reality, can you talk about what that was like for you? Um. So I'd say
1: that for me, um, Playing for Anson at the University of North Carolina was a lifelong dream achieved. And I'm just truly so grateful to um, have those three years. And I think the thing that stood out for me was that um, the competitive Cauldron, um, it really created a platform for development for each and every single player that came throughout our system. And we we strove to become better, become better in each aspect of our game, in addition to our personal character. And um, I think through our book meetings, we also learned a lot about like how the world works and how we function within it. And, um, it's up to us to, um, you know, be a a good steward of, of our resources, to be a good teammate, to speak out about things that are important to us, to um, stand up for things that are bigger than just our team. And, um, I think we did embody all of those qualities and our, our program is ultimately governed by 13 core values, um, which the competitive cauldron is built on. And, um, one of the special things about it is that your teammates grade you on how well they think you uphold those qualities. And um, you always want to gain the respect of your teammates. And I think that um, goes so far in a system like that, because you know that you're competing day in and day out with girls who ultimately love you and will have your back um, in the hardest moments when you're doing fitness or when, you can, when you're competing for championships. And um, I think that close knit environment um, really, it breeds excellence in every sense of the word.
0: That's awesome. Thanks for sharing and giving some insight because it's really cool to hear about those values that it's based off of and how that teammate interaction works and just that whole environment and seeing like, as you talked about, you guys having each other's back. And I bet, as you said, you'll have so many friends from that, but do you have a favorite goal from your time that you scored in college or a favorite memory that (laughs) sticks out to you?
1: Yeah, um, I I definitely say one of my
0: favorite goals
1: was definitely my first goal as a Tar Heel, um, just because I'd seen so many goals scored over the years um, of former Tar Heels. And uh, just to be part of that dynasty was super cool. So my first goal was in my first game as a Tar Heel in it, one, Anson's 1,000th 1, victory. Um, so wow. that 1,000 number from his um, – his time coaching the men's and the women's programs, because, um, prior to my dad's, um, time at, at, uh, university of North Carolina, he helped out with both the men's and women's teams. Um, but when my dad got there, he, he focused on women, um, specifically, but, um, to be a part of his a thousandth victory was super special because, um, you know, it's a moment I've looked forward to and will cherish, um, for years. Um, but, the other thing I wanted to add on about like the university of North Carolina was the importance of role models. I got to watch people like Heather O'Reilly and Tobin Heath and Crystal Dunn and just the way they carried themselves on and off the field and the way they strove for greatness and the way they competed. Um, it really, um, made me admire them even before they reached the, the national team. And for players like Heather, she's been on the national team since she was like 16, but um, she set what it means to be a Tar Heel and um, so many others that have been a part of that program. And to see them go on and represent the U.S. Women's National Team has been a dream of mine and something I follow closely and want to um, continue on in their legacy. So uh, I just think they really set the standard for my time at Carolina and gave me the belief and the hope that I could one day get there.
0: That's awesome! Thanks for sharing. And I bet that was a especially special goal that you're always going to remember because it was during his 1,000th win. But also the importance of the role models that I think you bring up such a great point because you know that's such an important aspect as you grew up or as athletes grow up and try to play collegiately and have those role models in those spaces that they can look to and aspire to to admire their game after, but also off the field as well. But after college, you were drafted. Number 3 in the NWSL draft by Sky Blue FC what was it like for you getting that call seeing that dream become a reality of being a professional soccer player
1: yeah so that was a, another really special moment in my career and um unfortunately due to covid um the draft was held virtually but honestly looking back i i'm so thankful for it because i got to be drafted alongside my family and Um, I truly wouldn't be where I am today without my family. So to share that moment with them was truly special. Um, But I think it was just so exciting because it was another lifelong dream achieved. You know, I get to play professional soccer. I get to do what I love for a living. And um, I think that is a privilege. And, um, you know, to go to Sky Blue, which is now known as Gotham FC, um, it was just super cool to learn from worldwide superstars. And um, we had... Such a good group that was incredibly experienced. And I wanted to step into that right away and make the most of it. But um, I'm really grateful just for the opportunity to play professional soccer for a living.
0: That's awesome. And it's so fun to hear about getting to be surrounded by your family. And as you talked about, like achieving another lifelong goal of yours that you'd have. So, you know, the first one, UNC, and then another one, and just continuing to do more and more with that. I mean, Do you ever stop and think about, you know, what it's like for you reminding yourself of like all those dreams you had as a kid and them becoming a reality as you grew up?
1: Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. Um, I always do reflection, um, just because when you do achieve something that you've been working towards, it reminds you of all the hard moments, all the stuff you had to do to get there. And I think there's a lot of sacrifice with becoming great at anything. I mean, yeah i could i bet you can imagine like all the hours you have to spend studying people and figuring out their stories and 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 um creating the best way is to tell their stories and a lot of work goes into it and um similarly with soccer like you have to use every bit of your time to becoming the best athlete you can become but um my my dreams are are beyond just what i do on the field i want to become the best player that i can become and i also um, want to have the greatest impact on others, and um, if I can, you know, use my platform for good, I think that's a that's success for me.
0: I love that. I love that you really talked about not just the impact you hope to make on the field, but the impact you hope to make off the field as well. But speaking of more professional soccer with you, you're not playing for the North Carolina Courage, and you guys recently got a playoff spot so congratulations on securing that spot what has what's this season been like for you so far getting to play both in pro softball but also in the same state as you played in college yeah so this is my hometown um this is my hometown
1: club as well so i'm the first academy product to um, play for ncfc youth formerly known as castle and then also play for the first team so um, I think we're playing a really great style of play and it's been super cool to win some championships, um, namely two um back-to-back challenge cup championships. Um so uh, it was just so cool to host both of those at home because we were in front of all of our family and friends and then all the fans um who who motivate us every single day and um, I think we're playing because um, we want to get better every single day and I think our club is very focused on details. with that detail oriented, um, nature of us, I think it allows us to chase perfection because we want to think about the pace of our passes, um, the texture of our passes, our movement off the ball, the way we defend the way we work as a team. And I think all of that contributes to our overall culture, which creates a really great experience for every player on the team, because, um, this team of girls, I really love, I think we're all committed to, um, the grind of becoming professional soccer players and, um, they make it also worthwhile.
0: That's awesome. And so fun to hear about that aspect of the game of soccer. But for you guys playing pro soccer, you talked about it, but you know, women's soccer is continuing to grow at a worldwide stage, but what do you feel needs to be done to give more professional women's soccer players the platforms, the opportunities, sponsorships, deals to really support them, maybe their families and really give them the opportunities to continue to play the sport for a longer time?
1: I think that's a, another fantastic question. And I actually like thought a lot about this because I have a teammate, Um Estelle Johnson, who's been I think in every season of the NWSL except one, and she might have even played in the WPS. I will have to check on that, but she's played more than 10 years professionally. And she can talk about like what it took for the NWSL to get to where it is today, where we're having sellout stadiums and crowd records. And you know, like just last weekend with the North Carolina courage, we had 10,434. Um people in attendance at our last game and that was a huge bit of growth for us as a club and um, you've got clubs like Angel City who consistently get 22,000 or whatever it may be and um, and right Megan Rapinoe's last game where I think they had like 34,000 plus and I think that shows just the amount of growth that's going on across the league and even across the world because if you talk about the WSL the Women's Super League Um, they're getting 50,000 girls or fans in the stadium at like places like Emirates. And um, I think we're going into one of the most special eras of women's football, because people are finally seeing the value on us that's been here all along. And um, the lucrative TV deals where we're on Paramount plus, and you can find all the games, it makes it so much easier for young girls to aspire to be like us. And um, to my point about being earlier, um, when the WPS was just starting, I had no idea about it because I didn't have a team in my local market. So growing up, I didn't watch professional to see it. It It's such a special moment because people are able to support their favorite team. They're able to follow, um, their favorite athletes with the rise of social media and just the platforms that we've gained. Um, we're able to get better sponsorship deals because of the visibility, um, we're able to do so much more and like step into our collective greatness, um, as women athletes. And, um, I'd say for the growth, just continuing to promote it in the best way that we can to continue to talk about what's going on in the women's sports world, um, to buy jerseys, to buy tickets, season tickets specifically, so that you could have that continuity. I think that's really, really important, but, um, to give your athletes a, a chance to tell their stories. I think that's also um, incredibly valuable because before our identity as athletes, we are people with really great stories. And I think there are still so many stories to be told across the NWSL and beyond. And I just hope we can really make the most of the incredible women that we have um, that are professional athletes.
0: Well, I love that. You brought up so many different amazing points, some of them being just like continuing to give you guys the platforms to show who you are as a person and also as an athlete, and then just to continue to be able to give you guys the opportunity to have women's soccer at the professional level on television, but also to promote it on social media and continue to grow it, as you said, because you didn't even know, you know, some of this professional soccer was a thing as you grew up, because as you said, like it wasn't televised and it didn't have all of the support from the public so that aspect of it is really something that's super important so thanks for sharing that and bringing that up because i think sometimes people forget about like who athletes are outside of being a person competing on a ath- on the field you know you guys are people mm-hmm. first and foremost and have so many great things that encompass you outside of being an athlete as well absolutely Yeah, so well you're not only competing but you're also doing some soccer commentating outside of playing on the soccer field right now. What's that been like for you and doing the transition and how do you learn from transitioning from playing to then broadcasting. Yeah, I think it's a fun opportunity that
1: I kind of walked into. Um, just the fact that I'm back in North Carolina opens up a lot of different opportunities because I am so local and I have a good grasp on the soccer market here and obviously UNC. But um, I started commentating uh, UNC women's soccer, um, and one of the cool things about it when I started last year uh, was I got to commentate on games of people I played with and against, and um, I, I obviously have a good hold on on what's going on in the women's soccer uh women's collegiate soccer levels and um I love getting to offer my perspective as an athlete and as a midfielder because I can give you the the nuance of the game that may not be as evident to the average soccer watcher. Um but I think it's super fun. I really enjoy it because it allows me to be a student of the game. I'm watching a lot more soccer in terms of like the commentating and I'm analyzing it from a point of what does this team need in this specific game? What are the tactics that are going to make them successful? Um, How do they handle this matchup that presents a different um, challenge maybe? And what does this mean for their overall season in terms of like chasing postseason? So Um, That's been super fun. Uh, I think I'm getting better at it as I do more games. Um, I think broadcast is super fun because, um, you know, you get to chat about soccer all day and um, it it, it really is uh, so worthwhile and uh, thanks for the opportunity at Carolina I've got also gotten to work at NC State men's soccer. Duke women's soccer and uh, UNC men's soccer and ECU women's soccer. So I've made my way around the triangle and I'm really loving it uh, because I do think it is a lucrative career uh, path after I'm done playing. It's something I'm definitely interested in. Um, So um, I'd love to continue learning more about it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome to hear about. You sharing how it sort of just happened, but it's continued to grow and give you more opportunities, but also you're bringing such a unique perspective to the listeners at home because you are still playing in the sport, but you've also played at the collegiate level. So, you know, so many of those nuances, like you talked about that people might not know about. So it really brings a cool perspective to the broadcast, but looking ahead, you've talked about some of your lifelong dreams, but what are some more of your goals and dreams, both in soccer and maybe outside of it?
1: Um, I want to play for the US Women's National Team in the World Cup and Olympics, and I want to win those events. Um, I do think we have a incredible crop of talent coming up through the pipeline right now, and I think we can invest in it in a wonderful way, and I just want to be a part of that. Um, beyond that, I'd love to play in Champions League. I want to get more of a global perspective and play overseas at one point. Um, I would love to win World Player of the Year, the Ballon d'Or Award. Um, I want to go as far as I can with this game, um, but afterwards, after my playing career is done. um, Hopefully I get a very long time to play and that I remain healthy and happy with it. Um, But afterwards, I want to work for FIFA. Um, One passion of mine is just the accessibility to the game. And um, I was actually the U.S. Youth Representative um, for the United States Soccer Federation to help get the hosting rights to the 2026 FIFA World Cup. Um, So, Diego Linas of Mexico and Alfonso Davies of Canada were both their representatives for their respective federations. And um, just to have that world cup and here in 2026 on our home soil is going to be so special just because we are walking into the greatest era of, of football in North America. I truly believe that we have Copa America. We have the club world cup. We have the FIFA world cup. We have hopefully if we bid for it, the women's world cup in 2027 and then finally the LA Olympics in 28. So I think we have a huge opportunity to capitalize on. And I just hope that we can reach as many kids as possible and make soccer the preeminent sport in the United States. So, um, one of the ways that I'm currently working on that is um, through my foundation with Pinto Football Foundation to get more kids into soccer free of cost because, um, you know, there are a lot of financial and structural barriers that uh, prevent kids from participating in the sport of soccer since it is very expensive sport to play. Um, But I just hope that I can do my part and um, make this soccer game a place for everyone Uh, because I do truly believe it is a global game that um, shares so much passion and so much joy from cultures around the world. And Mm -hmm. if I can do my part in extending that to other people and sharing the joy that I have uh, for the game, I I would be happy with my career.
0: That's awesome. I mean, you've already... Made such a great impact, but all those things you talked about are really, truly incredible and love that you're really helping to be a voice for women's football, you know, worldwide, quite honestly. And as you talked about, it's such a huge, you know, next five-year time stretch. There are so many incredible things, including World Cups, the Olympics, so much more that are a lot of them in the United States as well. So it's going to be such a unique and special time. But I really wanted to touch a little bit on your Foundation You talked about a little bit there, but it's really cool to hear about. But can you talk a little bit more about how this came to be and sort of how people can learn more about it? Yeah, so my
1: foundation is Pinto Football Foundation. I started it last year. And basically, I want to minimize the structural and financial barriers to participation for kids around the world, specifically in underserved communities um, domestically and around the globe. Um, But, you know, I'm starting small. I started in my own community and I hosted um, a soccer and field hockey clinic with one of my really good friends, Courtney Williamson, founder of Beyond Our Game. And um, we had a event at the University of North Carolina for black and brown girls, uh, third through eighth grade. And we wanted to get them into two new sports that don't have tons of diversity at the moment. And um, we wanted them to know that there's a place for them in, in the game. Um, But that was a really special day because they got to have a community of women that looked like them and uh, were encouraging them to chase their dreams with two new sports. Um, But afterwards, I was also named the um, Nationwide uh, Community Impact Award recipient on behalf of the NC Courage. And um, through this opportunity, I got to host an event called Camp FC in conjunction with the club. And we hosted a game. Uh, Well, field day full of soccer activities, water games, arts and crafts, and then a financial literacy course hosted by MNF Bank, which is uh, the second oldest minority bank in the United States. And um, one of the reasons we wanted to include that was because we wanted to emphasize um, just the importance of financial literacy so that finances aren't a a barrier to entry. So um, it was a kid-friendly version of it but they were learning things about what a bank account is what what a withdrawal is um, what a savings account is so on and so forth but we really want to introduce them to thinking about how they can um, you know guide their own futures and um, be good stewards of the resources that are put in their disposal and or at their disposal and I think for me if I can give them uh, the resources to succeed and to use their education um, to pursue like athletics like getting a college degree to go play at a four-year university i think that's the right encouragement that i could give through them so to 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 summarize what i've shared event football foundation is about um hosting clinics making donations to existing organizations that um already have uh yearly programming um Um, I will also make uh, donations in terms of apparel, um, specifically Adidas gear, because I'm an Adidas athlete. Um, And then I set them up with scholarships so that they can play soccer um, throughout the year um, free of cost.
0: That's really incredible. Thank you so much for sharing, because that's so cool to hear about. I mean, you're doing so many great things and trying to help the next generation and give them a role model look that looks like them so that they can know. And as you said, like achieve these big goals and dreams that you've done, but also know that they have a role model that they can look up to and be in contact with as well with the camps and so much more. So thanks for sharing that. And I'm definitely excited to continue to watch that as you continue to do great clinics and more with that aspect of the foundation. But what I always do to finish off the podcast is what I call my favorite five questions. So what is one piece of advice you would give to the next generation?
1: I think anything you set your mind to is achievable, as long as you're willing to sacrifice, um, as long as you remain determined, and as long as you remain humble.
0: Awesome stuff. Love that. All right. Give a shout out to someone who's made an impact on your life.
1: An impact on my life. Um, I'd say Cricket Lane. Um, She's the Senior Associate Athletic Director at the University of North Carolina, and she um, was a huge proponent of just maximizing my opportunity at the collegiate athletics program and um, just the way that she helped me with internships helped me with career advice in terms of like how I was navigating soccer in school, um, just the encouragement. She even helped me with running my first camp in conjunction with Beyond Our Game and Courtney Williamson. And she's just been such a great mentor for me. And I, I really appreciate all the ways that she's helped athletes become the best version of our, ourselves and to reach our potential in the greatest way.
0: That's awesome. Love that. All right. If you could plan your ideal day, how would you want to spend it?
1: Okay. Um I love playing soccer, obviously. So I would do that in the morning. Um I love having all of my energy starting off my day on a positive note. So I think I would start with either a small sided game, maybe like 5v5. That would be fun. Um afterwards I would get brunch. I'm a big brunch girl. I love Ooh. um my favorites are like waffles or or French toast or like even eggs benedict. Um all of those I love. So big brunch girl would have that. Then I might, um, do some shopping of some sort, like maybe online shopping, uh, depending on if if I'm in the mood to like actually try things on after that, um, I would read for a little bit. Um, I've been really into reading on my tablet. Um, and then I would have a really good dinner. I'm really into like, I'm a foodie. I love trying new foods. Um, maybe I would eat probably sushi most definitely. Um and then a good night's rest. I love to sleep. So I think that encapsulates all of it, but if I could do that like not in my hometown like in somewhere new because I love to travel, that would be the most ideal day.
0: Ooh, that sounds like a really fun day for sure. I love that. <laughs> all right, what sport would you play if you didn't play soccer?
1: Without a doubt tennis. I love tennis. I got to go to the US Open a couple years ago and it just was a wonderful experience. I just I think it's such a such a difficult sport um just because you're an individual I think it's, it differs from you know soccer which is a team sport um but it it requires you to be so mentally strong and resilient and to be able to pick yourself up in lulls um across the match and um I think just tennis athletes are so impressive in every sense of the word and um well you know one of my role models growing up was Serena Williams and just how she paved the way in her sport and um, left a greater legacy, uh, than she found it. And, um, I just think she's an inspiration for quite literally everyone.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree. And definitely I need to get to the U S open sometime, but that sounds like fun for sure. Okay. Last but not least, if you had a superpower that could make the world better, what would you want it to be? And why if I could zap the world
1: and give everybody shelter, food and water that would be incredible i'm a big believer that everybody should have their basic necessities met um they should uh you know be taken care of um their health is important their safety is important and then also like mental security and things like that and um i i just hope that everybody has peace and in all sorts and so my superpower would be to zap the world and everybody gets um shelter food water and safety
0: I love that one. I haven't heard that yet, but that is really cool. The zapping aspect, awesome stuff. Well, Rihanna, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast and sharing your story in soccer and and beyond. So far, there's still so much to happen, but I can't wait to continue to watch you in the broadcast world, but also on the soccer field.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate you.